Welcome to Making Waves, a show about sound art, produced for WGXC Wave Farm by New Adventures in Sound Art. Today's show features Julie Andreev and Simon Lysander Overstall. We get to experience the relationship of the forests of the Pacific Northwest and their particular approach to audio and media work. At the moment, you're listening to Dendrosonification, an audio piece by Simon Overstall that is a creative sonification of the rings of an old-growth cedar tree that grew in Stanley Park, Vancouver. This audio piece will be presented uh, by NASA as an installation called The Sound of Tree Rings, along with the VR piece Tree Earth Sky that Andreev and Overstall created as members of the interdisciplinary collective Wild Empathy. At different points in today's show, you'll also hear uh, audio examples of these pieces and others that they have made. And you can uh, listen and learn more at wildempathy.org. Here's my conversation with Julie Andreev and Simon Lysander Overstall. Well, I think let's begin first with Wild Empathy, the collective, and what's that comprised of and how that came to be? That was a project uh, sort of ongoing, but a little bit dormant right now. Um, But it it was a collaborative project between um, Simon and myself and a couple of researchers, including uh, Maria Lanton, who is the director of the Basically Good Media Lab at Emily Carr, and also some external um, researchers and and artists, you know, uh, scientists, and we had a documentary filmmaker, and we um, we actually worked with um, uh, Damian Gillis, who's a who's a BC-based documentary filmmaker and a, a, a journalist. There was Dave Barr and uh, Dee Brink, who were scientists on Vancouver Island, and then um, and then we collaborated with um, Tom Cummins from Science World. So it was a, a kind of a, a a bit of a sprawling project, but. Um, the, the objective was to create immersive media about um, ancient trees and, and forests. And, you know, you probably know that, the, that BC is, is known for its, you know, forested habitats and, and old growth trees. Um, but recently there's been a lot of um, logging and particularly clear cutting of, uh, of really vast strips of, of forest. And um, so there's a lot of concern about, about losing the remainder of the old growth um, forest that we have. So, um, so really our, the team was, uh, created a kind of emphasis on this, on this intention to, to create these immersive experiences for, for public enjoyment that can bring attention to old growth trees and, and, uh, and old forests in the region, and thereby creating some kind of connection and and concern for for their um, for their well being. 
At, at this point in time, we're really down to this sort of uh, last bits of actual old growth left. So that's why it's a little bit more um, a little bit more pressing at this time to to consider attention and, and what to do about those uh, um, the situation with logging the old growth itself. How long ago did the collective come together? I think that was in 2018. Um, and then uh, 2019, we started working with, with uh, Science World on exhibiting some of the immersive experiences that, that we created. So, so mostly it was, um, you know, working with media and some material um, um, artwork uh, affordances that, so, so that public could engage on different levels with, uh, with immersive video or, or sound um, generative soundscapes, as well as um, some materiality um, that, uh, that is reminiscent of, of trees, such as, um, you know, Science World had this um, hollow tree that was part of their, um, their exhibit in the search gallery. That was the natu natural history um, gallery in Science World. And it was just, you know, kind of sitting there with um, people going inside, which is, you know, a nice experience. But as soon as we saw it, we decided that, well, we're going to enliven this piece of um, tree that they have by fitting it out with, um, you know, a virtual tree canopy and also some um, a generative soundscape that is kind of reminiscent of the, the dawn chorus of the location that we were studying on Vancouver Island. Was it a case of the people in the science and research end wanting that tapping into art that in order to really convey something to the general public? Was that how was that sort of the lineage of things, or was it that artists going out to researchers for uh, to be more equipped uh, in order to capture the moment? I think I would. It definitely was a coming together. Uh, so um, I think a little bit of it, uh, in a certain sense, it was initiated by uh, Damien um, and uh, Dave and Dee as one sort of group uh, who um, all live on Vancouver and work on Vancouver Island. So they had sort of had conversations about this. So that's already one filmmaker and artist and some scientists, and then um, uh, certainly at least Dave and Dee already had a connection to Maria, so then, then that sort of built uh, and added in the Emily Carr uh, component. Um, so it, it was not quite as, as, uh, as simple as either the options you um, uh, sort of suggested, but, but I think both of those goals are, are somewhat present in uh, the work the group was doing and the goals it had. Yeah, and I think, I think one of the things that was particularly at the forefront of um, the Vancouver Island group was that, well, Vancouver Island is really one of the hot spots as far as logging goes. And, um, and so it's really evident to people who are, who are living on Vancouver Island what's actually happening to, to the forest there. Um, so it's kind of, you know, with Damien and Dee and Dave were, they're, they're very much activists, you know, that are, you know, wanting to preserve these, these forests. And so they're, they're immersed because they live there 
Um, and then they, they, they kind of coming from a, Dee and Dave coming from a science background, they were really interested in how art can play a role in, in kind of generating public interest. So, so that's, that's where we hopped on, um, as, because that's our area of expertise. Um, but obviously there's some synergies with, um, working with biologists and computer scientists and, and filmmakers with this project. Prior to the formation of uh, Wild Empathy, both of you, the topic of forests and ecology was something that you were already interested in your work, I imagine. And so perhaps maybe paint an idea of, of what preceded that. Well, I, I you know, the, the sort of the project that directly preceded it was a project that Simon and I did for, um, for the Western Front um, called, uh, biophilia. And that was, um, an immersive, uh, video and audio installation in their, in their big hall at the Western Front, um, where Simon and I wanted to kind of recreate, um, a, a, a sonic and a, and a visual experience of being in a, a forest that has old trees. And this, um, particular work was, um, based on uh, video and um, sound field recordings on Denman Island. There's a tiny um, old growth forest on, on Denman Island that is part of the Gulf Islands, just off of um, Vancouver Island. And, um, you know, there's some very um, unique characteristics of, of old forests that you don't find in, in newer forests. And so we wanted to kind of um, create, bring that experience to, to publics who, um, who might not have access to old forests. So what's, what that was, was a, um, we, we did some video recording on the, on, of this old growth forest and also some field recordings. And then we created a, Simon created a system where these two archives, video and sound were replayed within the space. Um, in in a, using a simple kind of algorithm to to kind of um, depict the the day, how the day sounds and how the day looks in this in this forested location, um, and so there's a there's sort of these movements that happen as a as a vis visitor in the space, movements both visual and sonic movements that they can um, that they can experience that. Um, Kind of show the the shifting of the of the day over uh, uh, it happens to be a summer day and the biophony and anthropophony and um, and other kinds of sounds in the location i mean one thing that i still enjoy about that work is not only the generative aspect where it continues to sort of re re uh, create itself uh, in an ongoing way but that not only was it representational or indexical in that we uh, recorded sounds and videos uh, from this forest and used them to make the piece. But uh, particularly as it was installed in, in uh, the Lux Hall at, at the Western Front, it was a very aesthetic, um, immersive experience. Uh, so the speakers were spread out to the four corners of a, of a fairly big hall that was fairly high. And so the sound could really sort of envelop you. And the projection of these uh, uh, high res, uh, uh, gorgeous sort of video shots of, of 
the forest um, we've projected onto a, a fairly large um, transparent translucent screen where the image could be seen on both sides and all the light in the room came from this projection on this screen and it sort of um, not only made a, a wonderful focus in the center of the room but it sort of filled the room with a green and warm uh, light and and sound that so there's a, a, a very aesthetic uh, sort of aspect to the uh, the affect of being in the forest that we were trying to create the, um, as well as the representational part of them being actual bird and uh, another an animal and forest sounds and water and so on.
You're listening to Biophilia, created by Julia Andreev and Simon Lysander Overstall. They're featured today on Making Waves here on WGXC Wave Farm. There seems to be a lot of emphasis nowadays in artworks being immersive. And uh, uh, I guess perhaps for different purposes, depending on the aesthetics of the artwork, I suppose. But um, what what is achieved in your minds from an artwork that's immersive? Well, I, I think I think that has to do with the subject matter. So if like Simon was talking about your you know one's affective experience of being in a in a forest, um, you know, I think a lot of people would probably agree that, you know, when we go into a forested location, there's there's certain um, kinds of emotional qualities that we might experience such as calmness or and curiosity and feeling and wellness um, you know and that those sorts of things have also been researched um, so so I think that you know in a in a real embodied way being in the, being in the forest obviously is a an immersive experience and so when we when we want to, you know, aim to have an artwork to kind of recreate and and evoke that kind of um, affective experience from audiences um, and with audiences, um, it makes sense to me anyway to try and um, experiment with with technology that can offer an, an immersive um, experience. So, so that's where that pairing came up because. Um, um, you know, I think I think not in not in all instances is immersive technology appropriate for for artwork in order to evoke whatever it is the the artist or the collective has in mind. But for our particular project, it made sense. It was a good coupling. Another way to think about this um, is that sort of immersive art uh, is not a new. Um, there are new technologies with which to make it, but it's not a new approach. Um, it's one of uh, whatever a sort of some sort of set of, of ways to do it. And and if you think uh, in different ways of things that are theatrical or or operas or even the way that uh, music um, in the particularly the Western tradition I can think of of, of how cathedrals and other spaces are designed for the sound to have a certain, even though it's acoustic, to have a certain immersive aspect. So uh, in that sense, what pops first into our mind is perhaps new technologies like spatialized speaker systems or uh, VR headsets as a, as immersive experience is part of an ongoing uh, way of um, approach to, to some kind of art making. Yeah, and I'd, and I'd say that that, you know, in terms of visual histories, I mean, that goes back to the 19th century also with painted panoramas, you know, these that were often situated buildings that, that would have a, you know, a 360 painting and some kind of diorama in front of it um, created for, for public display. Um, and then those, sometimes those were actually mobile and they'd travel around uh, villages. So... So I think yeah that that idea of immersion has a has a long history and um, and even with with material practices there's you know art installations that that also 
um, you know, move in that direction of having of providing an immersive experience for um, for publics. You mentioned that the I guess the digital or more recent incarnation of immersive experiences was appropriate for some works of art or some points of discussion and for others it wasn't and it seems to be that with the forest that it's it seems like an immediate one but i mean is there would there be other options for bringing these topics uh, of the health of the old growth forests uh, and the loss of that uh, to the foreground well um I could, I could speak about the project that we're working on now, which is branching songs. That's intended to be more of a, we could think of it, aspects of it as more interventionist. So, um, so we're planning to do um, uh, performances in collaboration with trees, um, in this case on the Sunshine Coast, which is the, a, um, a coastal area on on the on the mainland that is um, particularly hard hit by by um, climate change because there's a lot of um, uh, drought happening and also um, combined with logging. So there's a lot of concern by the by the local residents. And this area includes towns like Seashelt um, and Half Moon Bay and um, and Gibson's Landing, Roberts Creek. So what we're planning for for branching songs is to create these um, performances in um, particularly precarious uh, forests that are they might be you know scheduled to be cut. Um, they're on uh, BC timber um, cut logging schedule, um, and that the the community you know um, has there's a lot of controversy around them, and the com community would like to preserve them. So. So drawing attention directly to that kind of uh, location by by creating these these uh, live events right in location, you know, either performances or workshops. Um, so I think I think that's more of a you could even think of that kind of like a direct action sort of artwork um, that is that the the immersion is being in that location. I'll, obviously, that that will be. Tricky for accessibility for for some publics to 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 get there. So what we're planning is also to document those those um, performances and then and then ex exhibit them at uh, the Sunshine Coast Art Council Gallery in the summer. So these two two kind of approaches that will um, really um, take the form of being being in those locations and and drawing attention in these community forests. Branching songs, uh, my understanding is very participatory. It's it's uh, where the you know members of the public can get involved. So how does that change when you when you're working with people that are say uh, immersed, you could say, in those places, uh, whereas you're maybe outsider and but you have this other knowledge and what kind of conversations and dialogues come from that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we have started conversations with uh, the local, you know, members of the local community. So um, we spent some time there last summer uh, talking to um, some members of the arts community and also um, working with uh, some members of the indigenous community, um, you know, Squamish and, and Seashelt nations 
I have a, a, a grad student, Lyra Felsing, who's, who's a research assistant on the project, and she's Métis and really doing some wonderful work as far as um, figuring out the, the, the you know, the, the opening up conversations um, with, with the local community. Also, the, the director of um, the Sunshine Coast Art Council Gallery is, is uh, Sadira Rodriguez and her partner, um, Simon Levin, are very well connected um, with the with you know all kinds of communities in that in that location, including um, Sea Shelt and, and Squamish. So, so we're trying to um, you know open up conversation and and not, not necessarily come in as you know. Uh, yes, of course, I'm recognizing our our you know outsider status, but um, but I'm thinking that there is it's really potent for some kind of collaboration between the knowledge that, that we have as well as the knowledge of the local communities. It seems to me that um, this, these projects that you're doing uh, it come out of uh, collaborations that happen outside of the gallery. And uh, uh, was this something that, or out of the concert hall, in the case of maybe Simon's case, has this been... Uh, necessitated by the subject matter, or is it that something that you've always pursued in your work prior to, to uh, uh, the last five years? Or... How I've always approached it, I think that the, um, it maybe one could even imagine that the concert hall or gallery is, is the last place. And <laughs> uh, what happens outside of those places is, is even more so where art and, and community and, and the ideas um, that people have of, of how to live lives and, and um, sort out uh, resources and relationships with each other and, and all that kind of stuff is, is culture and, and sort of art and music, at least as it happens in the gallery or the concert hall, is, is some sort of uh, cherry on top of the icing on top of that cake or something like that. Um, I grew up also in a small town in northern BC, and so music to me um, was a lot about sitting around campfires and uh, you know local music festivals and coffee houses and and uh, kitchen table parties and uh, those sorts of things that's that's common to many people. But um, so so yeah, it's it's the community produces art um, and so on uh, is how I would. Uh, talk about that. How about yourself, Julie? You talk about your own studio as being interspecies studio. And so that seems to suggest, uh, you know, collaboration and dependence. And, uh, and how has that, your idea of that changed since uh, you started working with uh, uh, this vast number of people uh, with this project? The most satisfying work that I do is is working with um, non-humans and um, and in you know integrating more than human ways of knowing and creating within within my practice. So so for instance, um, you know th this this sort of impulse has started in in about 20, 2006 or two thousand and seven. With um, early on, with my um, two former dogs, Tom and Sugi, and they they had they really um, kind of got me interested in in you know f 
trying to find out, get sort of a curiosity in getting to know them. And, and what struck me really profoundly was, was how they um, had, you know, their own individual personality and emotions and passions and creative capabilities. Um, and so this really influenced my own um, creative practice and, and who I was in, in the world. Um, so, for instance, I, I learned how Tom was a super creative um, canine vocalist, and, and uh, so I, I wanted to kind of figure out, okay, what, what are these instances where Tom feels like he wants to vocalize and that I can provide a platform for, for him to do that, and then, and then kind of work that into some kind of um, a project that can be shown in, in pub public. Um, and then through the, you know, from the working with the dogs, I, I um, then began to be much more interested in the, the non-human communities around my home, and particularly the bird, bird communities, and just how interesting that is. You know, I, I grew up um, with, with parents who were very, you know, keen on, on learning about birds, and my mother was always really fascinated by, by trees and, and plant life. And so I, I think I inherited a lot of that, but I really started to then um, figure out that I can, hey, do some um, creative work um, involving, you know, multi-species and, and how, that, um, how that kind of dovetails with, with art practices is, um, is an ongoing, you know, learning experience for me, but, but very rewarding. And I, and I think the one thing that, um, that is uh, sort of critical in this, in this kind of practice is, um, is yeah, you know, the curiosity of non-human life, but also developing ways to respectfully engage with, um, with non-human communities. And, and so, you know, whether it's forests or bird life or, or, um, or canine companions, it, it all applies. And so that's the kind of ethos that runs through um, my multi-species practice. When people put on the VR headset for uh, your piece and also listen to and 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 see the tree image in Simon's piece, um, what are are we are we uh, experiencing another species? Is that uh, are we being invited into another world? Is that a kind of an underlying? through line for the public, I guess, to experience the two pieces? Well, maybe I can talk to the VR and, and then Simon could talk to the sound of tree rings. Um, so the VR is, it's um, called um, Tree Earth Sky, and that is intended to be, um, yes, uh, an immersive VR experience where one um, kind of starts underground and so if, if you could imagine how it would be to be underground with all of the mycelium network and the, you know, the, the different organisms, um, bacterial and fungal and, and um, viral and insects um, in this really rich um, forest, un, you know, soil. And what's going on under there? So many communication um, networks and, and um, nutrient sharing. Um, so, so in that sense, I think uh, you know that that portion of the VR definitely has the point of view. It's offering a point of view of of being underground with this with this soil community, and then 
And then there's a kind of transformation that happens in the VR where, where the, the point of view is above ground and being immersed in this particular forest location. Um, and I would say that at that point, it's sort of like <laughs> you pop up and be a human, you know, uh, in, in, this, in this forest grove. Um, so so it, it, I guess it's asking one to kind of imagine it oneself on this micro scale and then at, at a human scale at the same time, but through different, through these two chapters in the, in the experience. And I just want to say that that um, above ground experience in the forest grove is an actual location on, um, in an old growth forest on Vancouver Island. So, and the, the, the sonic experience that um, Simon created for, for that, um, for that VR is also based on field recordings from that um, from that location, and and so it has a sort of a realism with it as well as the but but beginning underground with this sort of speculative um, animation um, that is that is based on you know forest ecology research, but it's um, it's kind of combining these two points of view, I would say. So Sound of Tree Rings uh, is a data sonification uh, piece, uh, but it's quite a creative and interpretive uh, one. It's not uh, sometimes data sonification is a way to sort of analyze the data or understand some nuances that you might not see if it's represented visually. But in this case, it's uh, intended to be a much more an evocative experience. Um, there are some ways, uh, for example, that I made sure that the um, time is experienced by the audience or listener um, and the way that it moves through the, the tree's time are parallel. So it reads through the data from the center of the tree, um, which was material grown when the tree was young, towards the outer edge of the tree 
which is material uh, from when the um, tree was older. Material as in flesh. And it, it does uh, sort of depict, um, because it uses these, um, the density of the tree rings, where it's lighter when the rings are less dense, and, and then the ring is visible because it's uh, darker when it's more dense. So it uses that to provide a kind of underlying rhythm. So in that ways, it is sort of, uh, it's definitely from the data of the, of the tree. It's an evocative piece, and I think the, the intent is to, yeah, provide a space to sort of be with the tree um, as it was, uh, and to sort of, um, I mean, right now, <laughs> this image of sitting, sitting with the tree is, <laughs> is the one that's strong uh, it, for me right now. Um, it sort of creates a space, the piece sort of creates a space um, that allows the, uh, the audience to be contemplative of, of the life of that tree and, and trees uh, uh, in general.
is is there a sense that with the pieces that they extend our awareness of places that and things uh, and life that may seem common on the surface but but like how the VR piece t takes you into this underground world that we don't perceive. Um, and then your piece, Simon, takes us inside the tree itself. And so it's a, both are extending our, uh, our perception in a way and uh, get, get it, giving us a chance to experience those, those things. Um, what, what, are, uh, what do you think motivated that desire to sort of reach beyond what's uh, there on the surface? I think, I think that, that in a way that's a bit of a motivator of art overall is to reveal different relations and, um, you know, um, you know, we could, we could read about the, the complexity of underground, um, communities in a science paper, for instance, but I think when, when, um, and, and that can be compelling in its own right, right? The, the numbers and the, the, just the, um, the sheer magnitude of how many, uh, you know, billions of, of bacteria, for instance, and, and fungi are, are underground. But when it's um, visualized or, or sonified, um, you know, using, using that information and those, those studies and, and creating it in a way that one can experience it visually or sonically, I think the, the information gets gets internalized um, easier in a sense. The, there's some, there's a, there's an imagination, there's a connection to the imagination and to, to emotional experiences and histories of participants who are, who are um, engaged in, in the work. And so I think that's when it becomes, um, you know, when it becomes an artwork is, is um, when it functions in that way that maybe, um, you know, uh, science can't necessarily make that emotional connection. So, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I, 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 um, I, you know, use, use a lot of scientific information and, and technologies in my, in my own work and in the, in the work that sign that Simon and I are doing. But, um, but I think it's just a different approach and what may be more immediate, um, kind of understanding or curiosity that, that can happen. Uh, a, a thought that came um, as as Julie was responding was I, th I think one thing art can do also and that th these pieces are doing in a way is uh, sort of uh, carve out an opportunity, a sort of space or time for whoever the audience is to step away from how they are in, in the rest of their life and, and see things from a, or listen to things from a, uh, a different perspective. So there's partly it's what the art uh, depicts or, or uh, what the experience is that's provided. And then also it's this sort of opportunity to not have to be who you are the rest of the time and, uh, and a freedom to, to think about things in a different way or experience things in a different way. So I suppose this, that also extends to people who are listening to this interview that won't see the artwork or hear the artwork, um, that even when we're in the forest, we can 
try and extend our imagination beyond what we're seeing uh, or hearing uh, and hopefully um, bring more empathy and uh, sensitivity to the to those worlds I hope I, I, I think that that's what's um, at stake also in some of the branching songs workshops and you know like I'm, I'm um, pointing to the one we just did at, at NASA which was um, really rewarding for 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 me um, because I was able to test some of the like combinations of different you know um, modules within the um, within the workshop and and see what the reactions were but but I but um, you know there's one there's one portion of the branching songs workshop where we do a mind's eye um, uh, kind of um, listening awareness um, session where participants are guided through visualizing in that location they're they're you know in a in a forested location leaning against a tree or sitting against a tree and just being there with the tree um, and I, I I talk them through imagining um, you know what's happening with that tree on a on a cellular level and on a on a communication level and on a biological and you know sort of um, electromagnetic field level and also the the community underground that is supporting the tree and and also benefiting from that tree and talking through these spaces and and inviting participants to to um, to imagine with me those spaces and so so I think that you know that's that's one of the that's one of the outcomes of branching songs as well is to engage participants in in workshops um, in order to allow a kind of expanded view on those forests and what they might then bring to you know their the rest of their life you know how do they then experience or or think about a forest that they might be walking through or a park they're walking through you know um, in their day to day. What are some ways that people can experience uh, some aspect of these two works? And uh, I, I believe that they both exist online in in uh, in some two dimensional form. Uh, perhaps if uh, if you could let us know how we how we find those things. Sure. As far as wild empathy goes, um, there is a YouTube version of the um, immersive experience. So if you go to wildempathy.org. Um, and under projects, uh, you can see Tree Earth Sky, and there's an embed of the YouTube experience. So people who have their own VR um, headsets could could watch it that way. Um, and and also uh, there is a, a a website for branching songs. It's branchingsongs.org, and um, you can find um, the workshops on that website. Um, and Simon's project, Sound of Tree Rings, is also on the Wild Empathy um, website. It's also um, on my website, which is simonlysander.net. And there's a, a link from there to uh, a Bandcamp page, which is free to listen to, a sort of album of some, uh, some full outputs of that uh, Tree Rings, a Sound of Tree Rings um, piece. Uh, which in the gallery are recomposed live each time.
You've been listening to Making Waves, produced for WGXC by New Adventures and Sound Art. We'll be back one month from now. <laughs>